and welcome to the podcast. I'm Ashley, not doing a funny voice for once, and this other person is... Gracie! Now, this is called <laughs> the feminist... You threw me off! What? You threw me, you threw me off! Curl! You, you did it weird! You didn't do a funny voice, but you did your intro strange. Well, yeah. <laughs> I need to surprise you. you. I'm not... Oh, well, I'm on my toes. Yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> apparently you weren't. Because you were like... <laughs> anyway, you need to be professional, okay? What? You need to be professional, okay? That's a laugh. I think by now, anybody listening to us religiously has realized we are not professional. <laughs> Joke's on you. Nobody's listening religiously. <laughs> Except for my mom, who's highly offended by everything I say. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay. Um, Anyways, what's the name of the podcast? It's a feminist critique. It's a feminist critique? Okay. Yeah, where we talk about movies. And this week, we're in our Black History Month deal. And uh, this week, we're doing Selma, which is a film from 2014. Yeah, so pretty much you. here here is where the laughing and fun stops because this is some serious shit. This movie left me so happy, but at the same time, fucking frustrated. Like, it was a bittersweet sort of ending when I finished it. I was just torn because I was like so happy because the movie ends on a kind of uplifting note but you look at what's happened since the the events of this film and it frustrates the fuck out of you yeah because a lot a lot has happened since like the events of this film but yet you know it doesn't the more things know. change the more things stay the same as kind of the feeling I get. <laughs> yeah. You know. But uh, anyway, let me take you through some basics first. Uh, let's, let's start with the cast. David Ayello. Ayello. You didn't look up the pronunciations? Girl. Come I on. didn't. I was a bad, I was a bad person. Oh um, it's O-Y-E-L-O-W-O. And he played Martin Luther King Jr., he was in movies like A United Kingdom and The Butler. Um, oh, by the way, Carmen, we're doing the movie Selma. You didn't, like, say that, so. Well, that's the one we're doing. Yeah. Why would I say that? Duh. Well, you didn't, um, say, you didn't say we were doing the movie. I did. I said we were doing Selma. Oh. Apparently yeah, I wasn't. from 2014. Let me re... Let me... Let me repeat myself. We're doing Selma from 2014. <laughs> I did not mean to... Sorry. I'm an asshole. Oh, it's okay. Your ADD's kicking in. I get it. I can't help it. I need to take pills for um, Carmen Iola, uh played Coretta. She's been in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and it comes at night. Uh, yeah. Then we have Oprah Winfrey. She was Annie Lee Cooper. She's a talk show host and philanthropist. She was also in The Butler. Tom Wilkinson was LBJ. He's known for The Full Monty and Michael Clayton. Giovanni Ribsy was Lee White, who's from Avatar and 
Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. I forgot about that movie. When I saw it on his list, I was like, holy shit. That movie existed? I kind of remember it. That movie existed. I, like, kind of remember it, but don't. It was... It was super CGI and terrible. Um, then we have Common, who is James Bevel. Common is a rapper, and he's also known for his role in Hell on Wheels, which is an AMC original uh, TV program. Then we have uh, Dylan Baker as J. Edgar Hoover. He's known for Revolutionary Road and Happiness. Niecy Nash was Richie Jean. She's yeah. known for the TV show Claws and... The movie Guess Who? Then we I have remember Stephen James. What? I remember seeing Niecy Nash originally in this show called Clean House maybe like 10 years ago. And it was like my favorite show at the time. Oh. Well, they would go in and they would like clean somebody's house. And it was just one of those stupid reality TV shows. And she was like the host and would go around and. <laughs> oh, it was an amazing oh. show. Is it like Room Raiders? Oh, probably. Oh. I don't know. I haven't seen that one. That show is creepy. This show was um, just on, like, our local channel all the time. Like, ah. once a... So I would watch it while I was at work because one of the places I worked uh, had a TV, so... Mm. Yeah. Uh, we we also have Stephen James. He plays John Lewis. Um, and he's known for movies like Race and Across the Line. Then we have Lakeith Stanfield. He was Jimmy Lee Jackson. He's known... Uh, he played L in the Death Note movie, and he's also played Snoop in Straight Outta Compton. Was that him from like mm-hmm. Death Note? God, mm-hmm. movie was terrible, but he was fantastic. Yes, uh, Tim Roth was George Wallace. He's from a lot of Quentin Tarantino movies, like Pulp Fiction and Hateful Eight, and he was also in Rob Roy. Don't freaking uh, say it. Uh, fucking, I hate Quentin Tarantino. <clears throat> yeah. But that's that's a segue for another day. Uh, Nigel Thatch played Malcolm X, and he's known for Players Club and American Dreams. Now, it was directed by Ava DuVernay, who's also known for The 13th, and she is the director of the new Wrinkle in Time movie coming out this year with Disney. Ooh. I'm she also did Love movie. and Basketball. And she is the reason we have the DuVernay test. You'd think we'd do Black History Month without a DuVernay movie? You'd be lying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was impossible. Like, I couldn't in good conscience, you know, do this month without, you know, doing a movie from her. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it was written by Paul Webb, who really hasn't gotten any writing in his uh, in his repertoire. The only thing I really saw that he had done besides this movie was a miniseries called Madiba. So, a miniseries called? Madiba. Oh, okay. M-A-D-I-B-A. M-A-D-I-B-A. Okay. Yeah. So, good on him. It's a, it's a really well-written movie. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. Um, now, it had a budget of $20 million and it made a box office of 66.7. So it's a modest film. It's not really a huge box office hit. But mm-hmm. I don't think many historical, um, historical movies really are. So mm-hmm. it, did, it, did, it did pretty well, you know, for its budget. Yeah. Uh, 
Now, we get into talking about this film, now that I've gone over the basics. Mm-hmm. Oy. Oh, it's a doozy. And we'll probably go off on a couple of segues, so I'm just going to apologize. Yep. <laughs> For the time being. Yeah. Um, so, movie opens, 1964, Peace Prize Ceremony. Uh, MLK is getting ready, and with Coretta's help, you can tell that there's a strain within their marriage. Um, but he accepts his award. And then it moves to the church bombing of the, you know, where the four little girls were killed in Birmingham. Yeah, which, um... That moment, like, watching this movie, right, I was definitely not expecting that, right? So Mm -hmm. you're watching it, and they're just talking about normal things. They're talking about their hair and, like, what kind of hairstyles somebody has or whatever. The normal thing that little girls talk about. And they're going down the stairs, and then suddenly just mid-sentence, like, it just, it goes, how do I explain this? It's just so sudden that you're like, holy shit, what? Yeah, Yeah. and I think that's the point. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Um, Like, anything like that can happen at a given moment, moment, Mm -hmm. you know? And it was, it's fucking awful is what it is. And I was so glad uh, last year, you know, that Doug Jones went against uh, Roy Moore in Alabama. And Doug Jones worked on convicting the people that, you know, killed those four little girls. So, yeah. Did he really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. He worked, he worked as a prosecutor for one of the, uh, one of the um, KKK, KKK members that bombed that church. Holy so, shit. Good on Alabama for electing him. Yeah. Great man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, after this, it kind of calms down, and we meet Annie Lee Cooper. And what's she trying to do but register to vote? The shit pissed me off so much, because she gets up there, you know, mm-hmm. and she's like, all I'm trying to do is register to vote. And he's like, okay, well, you got to pass this test first. And he says, recite the preamble to the Constitution. She does it. No problem. Then he says, well, how many county seat judges are there in the state of Alabama? She says, 67. And then he tells her, name them. And she can't do it. And so she's denied the right to vote. Yeah. Piss me off. (laughs) Just, and that's the thing, like... We don't real well. Maybe I don't realize it because you know I I haven't I don't live in the South, right? But like the way he spoke to her, um, condescending, condescending fuck. like a child, like come on, I don't have all day, sort of thing. And uh-huh. <sighs> this is something that you know people still have to deal with in some in some parts of america yeah voter suppression is still very much a thing it's just probably not as in your face now it's voter id laws voter id laws and stuff like that john oliver had a really good piece on uh how voter id laws are one of the worst forms of uh voter suppression in in the united states 
And uh, I would strongly advise looking it up. I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so the whole point of this film is that we have the Civil Rights Act. You know, segregation is no longer legal. Integration is what, you know, they're striving for. And that's not enough, you know, because even with separate but equal being diminished, you still have voter suppression of the black vote. Mm-hmm. And so MLK's new te- new project, now that they've started the work of ending segregation, you know, on the federal level, is to start... Uh, you know, campaigning for equal right to vote for everyone. And it's ridiculous. Uh, MLK made a point that, you know, you can't serve on a jury unless you're registered to vote. And then that creates a protective haven for white criminals who murder black people. Because if you are black and you can't register to vote, that means the people, that means you can't serve on a jury. That means it's only white people serving on juries, and they're protecting the white men that kill black people. And there's nothing you can do about it. Which is why the right to vote, especially in the states, is so important. Yeah. Because, you know, you have to be able to, you know, be part of the system. And voting, you know, like... People take it for granted so much here in the United States a lot of the time. And it pisses me off because I look at, you know, how women had to fight for the right to vote and black people had to fight for the right to vote and you're, like, sitting on your fucking ass and you're not going out to vote? Like, the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's 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 a right and the fact that people aren't, you know doing that right is is kind of sad not kind of it is sad i mean america has one of the worst voter turnouts in the world like we average less than 50 percent of total total voters turning out yeah that's fucking insane you you know if you're not voting you you're not having a voice in the political process it's probably why things are as shit now as they are. Because so many people stayed home. And I gotta be honest with you, it's mostly liberals. <laughs> because there are more liberals in this country than there are conservatives. But conservatives will go out to vote and liberals won't. Yeah. That's why most of the time when you have a higher count of uh, a higher voter turnout, nine times out of ten it's the Democrat that wins. Yeah. At least in the last 20 years. And that's because when, you know, liberals vote, they vote the people into office that are necessary. But if they stay home, well, because they they get this, you know, (laughs) idea of like, oh, I'm not going to vote because. Um, my candidate's not perfect. Yeah, or (laughs) I'm really it, honestly. Or I'm not going to because oh, there'll be enough people to vote. Exactly. And and the Uh, fact is, like, (laughs) that's how Trump got elected. Exactly. He only won by about thirty thousand swing votes in in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's about it. About 30,000 votes. Yeah. I mean, there was more of a divide in votes between the pair of them and the third-party candidates. Like, more people voted for a third-party candidate than, you know, like, than there was votes between, you know, the two of them. If that makes sense. I'm trying to remember, but I can't. But it's something like it was 30,000 votes that swung it to Trump, and there were 116,000 votes in those two states that didn't go to either of those candidates. Yeah. Which is insane. Um... So yeah, that's basically what the uh, the movie's about. And another uh, point of this movie is the FBI is trying to heavily undermine uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, you know. Which, I mean, you could see uh, when they brought, um, like, those, those little moments or whatever where it said... Like, this is what's happening at this exact moment, right? Exactly. I thought that was really interesting that uh, the direction allowed for them to use, like, um, case points, you know, of the FBI files that were kept on Martin Luther King Jr. Mm -hmm. Because Hoover hated him. Like, I've read up on this, and, like, Hoover hated Martin Luther King. He called him an agitator. He called him a criminal, you know, essentially he called him a thug. Now, I'm sure you've heard that before, especially in the past couple of years <laughs> when it what? comes to uh, black people protesting peacefully. Well, I mean, you hear it quite often, even yeah. um, even recently, especially with the Black Lives Matter um, yeah, um According Ferguson. to conservative media, they're all agitators and thugs. Which so it's fucking disgusting. Yeah, it just goes to show you that the same shit that black people have been fighting, they're still fucking fighting. Yeah, <laughs> like after all these. That's years. part of the yeah, like ugh. This this is why this movie makes me like so angry and frustrated at the modern day. But oh god. Like I said, there's, yeah, there's not going to be much laughter in this one. This is a pretty serious conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a, a journalist that's uh, covering the um, the march from the New York Times. New York Times. His name is Rob Reed, Roy Reed, and one of the things he asks uh, Martin Luther King Jr. is, "Are you nonviolent if you are provoking violence?" Again, where have you heard this before in the last couple of years? <laughs> um, all the time. Exactly. Like, I couldn't get away from that the whole time I watched this movie. It was... It was ridiculous. Like, it was just... It was like, oh, hey, I've heard that over and over again. Like, Maybe not in the exact same words, but... It was the exact same mentality. Mm-hmm. Well, what yeah. was it that uh, protest recent in the last couple of years where they blocked the highway and like people were like, they shouldn't be blocking the highway. It's called the fucking protest. It's supposed to make things e- inconvenient. So you fucking listen. 
Exactly. And that's exactly what the Selma March was. They blocked the highway. That's actually one of the points, one of the, uh, I can't remember who, but they're like, you know, you're blocking the highway and that's not right. You can do better than that. You don't have to block the highway to make your point known. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, fuck, if that ain't happening right now. Mm-hmm. Because that's what they say every time. Well, they can make their point. And, you know, it's the same people that quote Martin Luther King Jr. on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Oh, my God, yeah. You know, know, like, he was a great man. He wasn't a criminal. He didn't do things like this. And I'm all like, have you fucking read a history book? He was arrested hundreds of times. Yeah. (laughs) And it wasn't that he was a criminal. He was protesting unjust law. Just like these people today are protesting police brutality, you know, and unjust criminal justice. Like, the fuck? You know? Like, you're so quick to do a little quote, but you're not willing to actually look at the history and look at its ugly face. Because history is ugly, you know? Well, exactly. That's the thing. Like, there's a lot of people who... I mean, this is, there's a lot of people that today would be the ones on the wrong side of history. So when mm-hmm. you think that you are on the right side of history um, and going against, like, you know, right rights of other people, you're definitely on the wrong side of history. Like, that's, that's just how it is. If you're yeah, denying somebody's um, rights, you, you're a yeah, fucking conservative, asshole. Conservative movements rarely last long over time progressive movements are the real winners you know uh progressive movements have earned everyone you know pay for their job that's decent uh uh, over time unions have helped develop the best you know work laws that you know you can um People have fought back against that. They fought back against the right to vote, just like this movie does. People have fought back against LGBT people having any rights. And every time, even though sometimes the fight is longer than what it should be, progressive wins. So, just saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe you should get on the right side of history if uh, you're looking at it, you know, as wanting everything to stay the same or go backwards because it's not not in the long run yeah uh, so yeah I think it was really interesting how this movie portrayed Martin Luther King Jr. there were a lot of people that did not like the portrayal and it was essentially because they're used to the whitewashed version of Martin Luther King Jr. where he's just like this perfect almost godlike individual yeah I love that this movie showed him as a flawed human being because that's what he was. And it doesn't take away from the fact that he was one of the greatest civil rights movement leaders of the past hundred years. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I like that they humanized him. I really did. Like it. it, Because when you are a leader, like you're certainly not. You're not perfect. You can't like there there is never perfection with somebody who is a leader. And um <clears throat> sorry. Yeah, you're fine. Y- you know what I mean. Like it's just mm-hmm. that perfection like we think 
we think of him as, of course, this, you know, godlike being because he was martyred. And yeah, it's the same way we idolize in the States the first presidents. Yeah. You or know, we put them on pedestals and we refuse to see their flaws, which is why I like Hamilton so much. Because we see Hamilton as a flawed human being. We see, uh, you know, George Washington as a flawed human being. Abraham Lincoln was a flawed human being. He was not perfect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no one is. So when you humanize them, that makes them more human to me. And I actually appreciate that more. Because, you know, it, it brings them down. And you realize that, you know, I'll, even though they were great historically, they weren't striving to be great at the time. They were just trying to do what they thought was best. They weren't striving to be a legend, you know? And, and that's the thing. This part They're, of history isn't really... Um, I mean, I think you can attest to this a little bit more, but this part of history isn't exactly um, told for what it is. They only kind of briefly mention it or they, you know, mention the good things that happen and like that, you know, Rosa Parks was on a bus and like everybody. Yeah. And thinks of and they act like the Rosa Parks on the bus thing was, oh, well, she, I got taught in school that, oh, well, she was tired. That's not what happened. That was a politically strategic move to boy to start the boycott yeah exactly and that she had been working with the um i'm sorry what's the acronym for it and and s or naacp yeah 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 she'd been working with them for years and the Mm -hmm. reason why she was picked over another um young lady was because uh she had Had a better a better track record yeah Exactly. Yeah, the other girl that actually did it first got a... I can't remember her name, but she was like 15 or 16. She was a teen mother. She actually... Yeah, she was a teen mom. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that was scandalous. So they decided that Rosa Parks was going to be the face of the boycott instead of her, even though she did it first. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, like, you don't get taught that. There was also another thing that we weren't taught in... uh, in school where there used to be a really amazing community that was called the Black Wall Street. And I, I think it was in Illinois. I'm, I don't have my computer in front of me, so I can't remember the exact dates or the name. But I do know that it was one of the richest black communities in the country. And it was burned to the ground because a woman falsely accused a 15 or 16 year old black kid of touching her inappropriately or assaulting her. And it ended up that the entire town was destroyed and hundreds of people were killed. You don't learn that in school. Especially here in the South. Well, that's the thing. There's so many race riot stories, right? Um, yeah. And they're in places that you wouldn't normally think. I mean, there's the the Boston school um, into uh, integration, which was in Boston of all places, and uh, yeah. the south in Southie. Like, I mean, that was a race riot. Um, there and that was a- wasn't that wasn't that was pretty recent, wasn't it? That was in the eighties. No, I, the 70s. I think it was the seventies, but I mean, there's still. I mean. That's still recent, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's still people alive who, you know, went to those schools, and, like, I'm sure the parents 
you know, who were like the racist assholes were also uh, maybe yeah. still alive as well, right? That's, so that's still a problem now in affluent communities. Um, you know, because schools are funded in in the states by property taxes. Yeah, and so school districts, when they're drawn, you know, even though it's not necessarily racially separated, there is a definite divider of wealthier schools versus poorer schools. And it just so happens that a lot of those poorer schools are inner city in the red areas. Yeah. Um, that's an Adam Ruins Everything clip I would watch about green areas versus red areas in real estate. It was called red redlining. Um, yeah, exactly. It. And it's a historical practice where they would um, they would basically segregate and like certain people weren't able to buy houses or certain you know um neighborhoods weren't given as much money so that they could you know build rebuild and exactly yeah so even so like this is what this is what people mean when they mean institutionalized racism and i know a lot of white people don't understand that They're like well i i was poor i was like yeah but you also benefit a lot from the fact that you're white and you have a white name because I can guarantee you John Smith is probably going to get the job over, you know, Jaquan Washington. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and that's just racial bias in the system. And it's hard to curb that. Well, that's a, you know? um, I, I get this, uh, I get a lot of this, uh, the people who talk about this sort of thing, right, where they're, they say, well, like, white privilege isn't a real thing like I was poor too or whatever right or I worked really hard for everything that I had um and and I recently heard that from from my brother right and like no doubt he has worked hard but things were probably a little bit easier because he's a white dude like just saying yeah it's not like you know, we benefit on purpose. It's not like someone's purposefully like, I'm white, so I deserve this. It's just that the system is set up to be more of an advantage to you, even if you do nothing to try and strive for that advantage. Mm -hmm. That's just how it works. And it's not a detriment to you. It's not your fault. It's just recognizing, hey, this is this probably happened because of such and such. And such. Yeah. You know, recognize it. Nobody's what? angry, you know, that you were able to succeed. They're angry that they're not able to succeed with you. Well, there was a quote in this movie that really got me thinking. And that is the um, the quote where he said that, like, you know, the poor uh, white man, um, you know, tells his children that they're still OK because, like, they're better than, you know, black people because they're white. Right. Um, mm hmm. And that quote really gets because there's a lot of people out there who are poor, who are going through a, a lot of like, you know, shitty things. Right. And then there is, you know, the fact that, yeah, they're racist, but they shouldn't be mad at black people. They shouldn't like feel that they're better than black people. Poor people need to fucking work together no matter what the color of your skin is. You all have to fucking yeah. work together. Do like try to have a better society. And it's. It's like way more it's complicated one of those than that. From the top, I mean, um, Lyndon B. Johnson, I think, was one of kind of did a twist on that quote. He said, "You know, if you can convince the poorest white man that he's better than the richest colored man, then there's, you know, 
there's no hope. Like, because mm-hmm. there really isn't. Like, if you can convince poor white people that are poorer than I am that are on food stamps, I know people who are on welfare right now who talk about how black people are moochers and living off the government while they're getting their food stamps. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and they refuse to see the irony of their statements because they think they're better just because they are white, even though they don't realize it. Yeah, exactly. And this is something that needs to change in in all of in America, in Canada, like all over the world like this. There is a class division in the states. So like it shouldn't be a war, a, a racial war. It needs to be a class like that divide of classism. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it, I I listened to a podcast recently that said that there are five different classes in the States, okay? But most people who are in the other classes only know who's directly below them and only knows who's directly above them. They don't think of those other classes. Like, the super, super wealthy, I can't even contemplate what the super wealthy are doing. I don't know. They buy a boat, maybe? Or, like, a ship? (laughs) Fucked if I know, because I am... Assuming, I think I'm middle class, but I probably am the working poor. Yeah, you can't possibly imagine, you know, how much money these people make. It It's almost grotesque, mm-hmm. you know, in the sense that they make billions of dollars. And I think that a million dollars is enough money to live off of for the rest of my life. Fuck, if I had a mil- like, if I had $50,000, my problems would be fucking solved. Are you kidding me? Right? Some fucking billionaire like could just- give me $50,000 as a charitable donation, and all of my problems in my life would be fucking solved you'd with $50,000. You'd be able 50, to pay 000- off your student loans, you'd be able to pay off your car, live comfortably for a couple of years. Exactly. With your job. You know, I might, I might like, be able to go and put a down payment on a fucking trailer because like yeah like if it's shitty to say but it's the fucking truth and yeah. i'm sure there's a lot of people out there that like all their problems would be solved with twenty five thousand uh, dollars or whatever amount a yeah, hundred thousand dollars if i had about a hundred thousand dollars that would pay off the house that my parents are buying um you know because my dad has a lot of medical problems. We bought this house, and then within the past three years of us buying this house, two years he has, you know, had to retire because he had a heart attack, and, you know, he just had his leg amputated. So we went from him working seven days a week, 365 days a year, to our income being cut in half, and now we're having to pay for this house, and we don't have the same income we had when we started, and it's stressful. You know, I mean, and it's it's a small little house right on a major highway, and it was $100,000, and it's going to take us 30 years to pay it off, and then come to find out that if both of my parents die, it doesn't matter how much money was put into this house, because the deed's not in my name, I'd have to refinance and buy it. Fuck. Yeah, Exactly. And that's some shit. So when my parents die, this house isn't even going to be mine. 
can't they put your name on the deed? Um, I would have to qualify for the credit. Oh, fuck. And I have no credit. <laughs> so the system definitely is set up to fuck over the poor yeah. uh, and the middle class. Like, and like I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and, like, that's, that's the thing. Like, it doesn't matter. Well, it's different for, you know, people of color because the system is even more uh, against exactly. them. Like... Like I they can't even fathom what that's like. hundred thousand dollar loan we got for this house, even if they had the same credentials as my dad, they would probably have to have higher collateral. And that's a, I don't know what that's like. I don't. And no, but at least I can acknowledge the fact that you know we're lucky in the sense that we were even able to buy this place. Yeah. So, I mean. Like I said, we're getting off on some tangents, but it's hard to, like, everyone knows this story, so it's not like we're, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> we're not going too far off of it. It's just that there's so much that deals with the story, because the story itself is pretty straightforward. They want to have a march, and then they eventually succeed. Like, that's the whole movie. Um, the nuance is in the details of the issues that are presented in the film, you know, the racial issues, the income issues, uh, the inequality issues. Uh, I will say, though, that out of all of what happens in this movie, there are two scenes that really tear me the fuck up. And the first one is Jimmy Lee Jackson. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Now, I watched a movie called Selma Lord Selma, which... If you have any kids, I would recommend you watching that with your children first because it's a Disney movie, and it's about this, and it's pretty historically in inaccurate, but it's a good open door for people that are, you know, younger. You yeah. know, it's good for little kids. Um, but Jimmy Lee Jackson was actually in that film, too. And there's also a scene in the movie The Help where... Uh, um. Viola Davis's character is on the bus, and then, you know, they say some N-word got himself shot, and so you're just going to have to walk home, and then she gets to Minnie's house, and they talk about how, you know, they shot him, they shot him right in front of his own mama. And it's terrible, because Jimmy, you know, he was just a civil rights activist, and all he wanted was the right to vote. He mm -hmm. went on a little march with just a few people, and he ends up getting murdered. Mm -hmm. And I don't think uh, his his murderer ever got prosecuted for it or punished. Um, grand jury uh, declined to indict. Um, indict him. Indict. Shut up. Yeah. Indict. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you. You broke up the monotony. But yeah, indict. They refused to indict him. Yeah. Even though he was shot in cold blood. Yeah. And this this is something that people are still dealing with today. Oh wait. And maybe it's not Um it says that forty two years after the crime, um, Fowler, the guy who did it, was charged with first degree and second degree murder in um 
Jackson's death and he surrendered to authorities. Um, He pled guilty in 2010 to manslaughter and apologized publicly for killing Jackson. He said that he acted in self-defense, which, okay. Fucking doubt it. And was sentenced Um, to six months in jail. And he served five months due to health problems, uh, which required surgery. So he basically got away with murder because he was able to live a full life. Yeah. Um, and this is also something that we're dealing with today, right here and now. And it's very rare that if a police officer kills a black man who is unarmed, that he gets arrested, let alone convicted. So, again, there's this huge parallel relevance to what's going on in the film and what's going on now. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, Jimmy Lee Jackson, that that just, it tore me up. And especially, you know, his his grandfather was the son of a slave, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking nuts. But the good news is, is at the end of the movie, one of the little tidbits they have about the people within the film is that Jimmy Lee's granddaddy was the first one in his family to register to vote. And he was 80-something years old. Yeah. So, he got what Jimmy Lee was fighting for. So, at least there's that. But it's a shame that Jimmy, you know, was murdered for just wanting to the right to vote. Like, that's what's so fucking infuriating about this shit. Like, I was so angry watching this movie because it just... Oh, my God. I can't imagine what the fuck is wrong with the society, even today. But, like, back then, like, I just don't understand why it was so horrible. Well, okay, so we look back at the 60s, the 50s and the 60s as, like, I don't know, as this, you know, when when America was good or whatever the fuck, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's what Trump, you know, that's like the whole Trump thing when they say make America great again. It's like hearkening back to like the 50s and shit like that. Well, exactly. But here here was a time where it's like we still have milkshakes and racism, Karen, or something like that. (laughs) 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 You remember, have you seen that tweet? No, but holy fuck. We need to go back to the, you know, like it's a picture of the 1950s. Well, anybody who says the good, old, the good old days, like, fuck off, okay? Like, like, yeah, that's what they're talking about is like the good old days. And then some Twitter followers, like, we still have milkshakes and racism, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I love when people like write these things where it's like fucking white lady names. And it's like, um, listen, fucking Susan, okay? <laughs> Like, Dorothy. Uh, Oh, God, Dorothy. (laughs) I feel bad because that was, like, my granny's name. (laughs) Margaret. That's also the name of the the last person we talked about on this podcast. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I guess. As a character. (laughs) Uh, I mean, they can be both. 
There is no good old days, though. There's a romanticized version of the past, but we are in better shape now than we were 50 years ago. Like, okay, I don't know why anybody wants to go backwards. Well, this is something I learned on, again, a podcast, right? But, um, and it, I believe it was uh, Judge, uh, Judge uh, Hodgkinson. He has his own podcast. But one of the things he said about nostalgia is nostalgia is dangerous. And it's true. Nostalgia is very dangerous. And of course, we think about it like only 90 kids remember whatever right so like okay so the 90s were great for you in your childhood or the 80s or whatever but they weren't great for everybody like I don't know about you but being a gay man in the 80s was not a great time to be a gay man so yeah I guess you remember fucking Thundercats and Ninja Turtles but like there's other people who were going through some shitty ass times or like, uh, like people are like, there was no racism in the '90s, and I was like, what the fuck, LA riots? Like, yeah, I don't know. Did you see the fucking Rodney King? Exactly. I mean... <laughs> it's like people just block out what they don't want to remember when they get nostalgic about shit. Well, like, yeah, because there's no they want to remember the good things now. Well, that's the thing. They want to remember the good times of like the, whatever time in their life, like. I remember, excuse me, I was, I remember fondly of like about 10 years ago because that's about the time that I was going out partying or whatever, right? But when I actually think and remember how I thought and how I felt right then, it wasn't all that great. It feels great because like I was younger and I don't know, guess carefree, but it probably wasn't as great as my memories making it out to be. It was probably pretty fucking shitty. Yeah, like, life as a whole is miserable, like, for everybody in different ways. <laughs> this is some nihilistic, whatever. Nihilistic. But it fucking is, though. <laughs> life is like, shit and your and life is shit. Life is shit and your life is shit. <laughs> like, it's good if you find goodness in it. Like, everyone finds goodness in their own life one way or another, but it still doesn't take away from the fact that, like, life as a whole isn't that wonderful yeah like life's what's the old adage life's a bitch and then you die (laughs) pretty much but like i mean yeah um so anyways which part were we at the movie we weren't really talking about any part now they get into uh some of the laws on the books about voter registration okay Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about the voter registration, okay? In order for you to register to vote as a black person, you had to have a voucher or someone to vouch for you. That's what the voucher is. If, by chance, you had someone to vouch for you, then you would go down to the um, polling place and you would register to vote. And then you would have to take the test. If, by chance, you passed the test, then you had to pay money. And if, by chance... You had the money to pay for your right to vote. You then, you know, and you get registered to vote. You then had to put your name and address in the paper, and it was going to be published. So, in other words, you were basically registering to vote and registering your own death certificate. (coughs) Yeah. How fucking insane is that? Like, I never knew that the... I knew about voting suppre- voter suppression laws. Like, I knew about the poll tax. Yeah. I was taught that in school. I didn't know that there were, like, 
eight steps, and then that they would publish her name and address in the fucking paper. Like, fuck, you're just asking, like, to be fucking murdered if you decided to register to vote. Exactly. Sorry, is that victim blaming? No. Okay. Not, like, but you were, like... People that registered to vote knew the risk they were taking, but they were willing to take that risk in order to cast their ballot. Mm-hmm. But you couldn't even get started in the first place because you didn't have anybody to vouch for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, they went through the steps of how to vote. It was fucking ridiculous. It was no wonder no one could vote because you had ten steps and they were they kept on moving the finish line. <laughs> Every time, you know, they'd get closer. Just like in the beginning when uh, Mrs. Cooper is doing the test and every time she'd get an answer right, they'd move the goalpost. <laughs> like, oh, you almost had it. Gotta be quicker than that. <laughs> That's fucking Geico commercial. <laughs> okay, I don't... I've never seen that Geico commercial, so... <laughs> it's, it's where this guy is holding a dollar on a, like, fishing rod... And he's, like, dangling it in front of people. And they reach for it. And he's like, oh, no, you got to be quicker than that. Are you supposed <laughs> to be funny? It was. It's fucking great. I'm sorry. Uncultured thing. <laughs> Me? Um, one of, yes, you. One of the things okay. they also mentioned in the, uh, or brought up in the movie was that um, Martin Luther King Jr. had extramarital affairs. This is true. The only reason we know it is true is because the FBI was doing everything they possibly could to discredit him. Mm -hmm. um, and that's uh, one of the points of contention in the film, because he was supposed to be at the first march, uh, but in the film they portray it as him having marital problems and him trying to work through them with uh, Coretta. Yeah. So... But it is true. He did have extramarital affairs. It is true. Which doesn't take away from the fact that he's still a great civil rights leader. Again, this is the uh, humanizing thing that a lot of people did not like. <laughs> Which... Because it portrayed him as less than perfect. But he wasn't a perfect person. Mm -hmm. So... Um... Yeah... Uh, the first March attempt. Let's talk about that. Okay. It was fucking awful. Yeah. It was... It was bad. Um, the film portrays it pretty much as it happened. Because it was filmed, um, right? Like, on yeah. newsreels? Well, according to the New York Times article that the guy is reading... I actually read that article, and there were a lot more troops present than what were shown in the film. There were about 500 to 600 black people that were marching, and there were about just as many uh, troopers. There were between three and 400. Holy shit. Yeah. So, it looked like a small number in the film, but... In actuality, it was basically the entire force for the county. <laughs> like, it was insane. Yeah. Um, 
according to the New York Times article, the first part of it said that uh, the black people were being agitators, and they started it by throwing bricks and shit. Wow. Oh, I wonder why I've heard that before. <laughs> I keep doing that, you know, it's a theme. <laughs> yeah, so like the uh, Baltimore quote-unquote riots, uh, you know, where the uh, protesters started it. Yeah. Or what happened in, uh, in, um, God, where was it? Um, where Michael Brown was killed. Ferguson? Yeah, Ferguson. Shit. I, my, my mind went blank. Like, the stuff that happened in Ferguson, the protesters started it, and then the, you know, the, the, uh, the tear gas and everything was thrown, and people were beaten back and shit. Like, you, you know, same thing. Different year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was in the New York Times article. And then uh, at the very end of the article, the one where the part in the movie where he's reading off what's happening, like that actually uh, was in the article as well. And it was written by uh, Jim Reeves, mm -hmm. I think. Or Roy Reed, excuse me. Um, but yeah, that was. Um, I don't think it was actually televised. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, not, like, live, but it was on the nightly news. And it did inspire people to go down to uh, Alabama and help. I like the fact that they call out white, white liberals in this movie, though. Um, <laughs> how so? Like, explain that a little bit. Um, well, white liberals are, uh, you know, basically, like turf feminists. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you know I what I right. mean. Mm -hmm. Like, you can be white and liberal and not be a white liberal. Like, I, it's hard to explain. It's basically the ones that are, you know, very. Oh yes, of course, we'll do it. But it's not really to do it for you. It's to do it to make yourself feel better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're I mean, not doing it for the person you're fighting for. You're doing it to make you feel better. And <laughs> like, I'm not racist. I did this thing. Exactly. I'm not racist because I did this. I'm not racist because I did that. Uh, which is kind of a theme in Get Out when we watch that movie. Yeah. It'll be fun. I haven't seen it yet, so. <laughs> yeah. Don't. Uh, I haven't seen it yet either, so no spoilers. Don't ruin this for <laughs> no me, okay? No spoilers for me. But yeah, like one of the things they mentioned was, you know, well, they were blocking the roadways. Mm-hmm. So, the next time you're wanting to get into a fight with someone online about the fact that, you know, well, black people are blocking the roadways, I'm like, yeah, well, Martin Luther King Jr. did that shit, too. What you gotta say about that? Yeah, suck it. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Ugh. I put in my notes, like, I can't believe all this shit actually happened just because people wanted the right to vote. Like, it was madness. All of the violence. It's just fucking insane to me. Which, I mean, I guess you can't think rationally as a rational person, you know? Yeah. When you consider racism. Like, if you think of racism in a rational manner, it falls apart. Like, there's no reason for it. It just exists. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't... Yeah, it's... <laughs> 
it's fucked but up. But you can't rationalize it because there's no way to rationalize it. It's just there and you're so fucking confused as a rational person as to why. Um, so yeah, the, the first march was March 7th, 1965. The second march was two days later. MLK did stop it. Um, they did get halfway to the bridge and then stop and then turn back. Okay. Uh, That actually happened. Did it say why at the time? Mm, No, I couldn't find a reason as to why, but the movie makes it out to be, you know, like, which I thought that too when, when all those cops stood to the side to let them pass, I was thinking, it's a trap. (laughs) Where me being naive white girl was like, oh, they're being nice. Because I'm a fucking idiot, okay? It's okay. But that was my first thought. I was like, it's a fucking trap. Don't do it. And Selma Lord Selma, they only showed two attempts, so I didn't actually know about the, the, um, that there were three attempts in the march. Because huh. my original understanding of this, uh, this march was in the Disney movie Selma Lord Selma with, uh, oh my god, I forgot her name. Uh... She's in... Oh, fuck. It's gonna... Never mind. It's gonna eat you? But it's gonna eat me alive. I'm gonna remember after we, after we, uh, you know, finish. That was a weird way of saying that. It's gonna eat you. For fuck's sake, Sajlain. Um, but yeah, and she so... ignores me. What? And you ignore me. You're I like, didn't hear you. Oh, really? Yeah, what'd you say? It's okay. Don't worry. Ignore me. Okay. As usual. I mean... Um, Yeah, so the second march happens, and then MLK is held in contempt of a judge order, and then the judge actually approves a five-day march, and the white people are so mad. Mm Mm-hmm. Ah, fuck them. But... The only reason federal involvement happened, at least according to the movie, was after, um, what was his name? James Reeves was killed for marching. Oh, um, and that was the, the, the uh, pastor from the Boston. Priest. Yeah, the, the priest from Boston. Or the, yeah, the priest. Um, he was beaten. He was beaten to death. Yeah. And then, because a white person died, they're like, fuck, we better get in there and help these people out. Which is fucked up, if you think about it. Real fucked up. Yeah. But it forced um, Lyndon Johnson's hand. Now, there is some back and forth about whether Lyndon was actually that opposed to his involvement. Mm -hmm. You know? Um... But there were definitely reservations on the part of President Johnson when it came to the Voting Rights Act. And it was because because Martin Luther King Jr. bullied him that they were able to accomplish the Voting Rights Act after this march. Mm -hmm. You know, because this was at its core a political stunt to garner as much support as possible from around the country to push Johnson to do what was necessary. 
because he was scared of his career <laughs> being lost. So, um, Johnson's also quoted after uh, the Voting Rights Act was passed or the Civil Rights Act, I can't really remember. Yeah. He said that another Democrat would never win the Bible Belt again. They fucking haven't. <laughs> it's the fucking truth. <laughs> this is uh, also uh, when the uh, the swing left thing happened, where the because uh, it used to be Democrats were conservative in the states okay. until about this time, and uh, Republicans were the more liberal, uh, even though they were pretty fifty fifty on issues except for certain things. This was the moment when Democrats went very far to the left. Oh, okay. At least for the time. So that's why Democrats are now the progressives and Republicans are now the conservatives. Because Abraham Lincoln was a Republican, but he was also a progressive. So. Okay, so this was around the time where it did the switch. Because like mm -hmm. pretty much every Republican ever or... Um, somebody I know is like that never happened. If you actually look at the history, that never really happened. And it's like it or, fucking did. Or my favorite thing, my favorite thing is uh, when someone's like, "Well, Democrats started the KKK." I'm like, "Yeah, but Democrats were also the fucking conservatives at the time." Yeah. Historical context matters. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So we get to the end of the movie and we get all these little tidbits. Um, there's actually uh, that historical footage at the end of the film is actual historical footage. And you can see people waving rebel flags as a sign of protest against the protesters. And people refuse to see the rebel flag here in South Carolina as a symbol of racism. But it is. But it is. All they have to do is look at a fucking, look at fucking footage. I mean, we're going to be doing In the Heat of the Night uh, next week. Mm -hmm. And that movie was filmed in the 60s. Yeah. And there is a part where a rebel flag is used to signal that the people are racist. And it was made in the 60s. Yep. So it's not like people have made it up. That's what that flag was used for. That's the thing. I'm it's not South a new fucking concept. <laughs> huh? It's not a new fucking concept. It's really not. But people refuse to see that. You know? Like, I try to explain. Like, I understand. You know, I'm from South Carolina. The Confederate flag is a huge deal here. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, listen... I understand where you are coming from as a white person, but in context, let's look at it like this. Would you like it if, you know, someone was waving a fucking swastika around? Like, that's the same thing. Like, some people are white supremacists and they're perfectly fine with that. But if you, you know, try and talk someone in, like, Okay, you know, swastika is to Jewish people as Confederate flag is to black people. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
that's just all there is to it. And it, it's hard for people to wrap their minds around that because they've been brought up in the old South mentality, you know, because uh, Texas has been basically the provider of our textbooks, and it it's not that great. Like, my education for history was pretty fucking bad. <laughs> I didn't really learn anything until after I graduated from high school and did my own research and read books based on stuff that happened in the past. Yeah, exactly. Well, so. I mean, I had to... I was taught different history because, you know, Canada. But we have right. a lot of racism in our country, too, that a lot of people don't think about um, because they think, oh, Canada, we're so great and all this shit, but we're not. Uh, so the movie ends with them reaching Montgomery and Martin Luther King Jr. gives that speech which you mentioned earlier about you know how white people feed this poison to their children their children eat it and then they regurgitate it to their children and it's just you know you're not going to move beyond that unless you break through that cycle which, I mean, it is slowly happening. And, and, like, the next generation will will be the generation to, like... Well, I mean, generations after us are going to be the ones who will... That will look back at us and go, what the actual fuck, guys? Yeah, exactly. Like, we won't be looked at greatly, especially with the... Uh resurgence of far-right movements in Europe, in mm. Canada, and here in the States. Hey. Okay. Yeah. We elected Trudeau. Okay? Give us a break here. But Oh, fuck. Fuck Justin Trudeau. Okay. No, fuck him. I know. He's the fucking worst. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like, He's really... Like, I, I, like, I don't know that much about... Well, because uh, I had to fucking politics. show you. Okay, so, like... Listen, I did not actually vote for Trudeau. I voted NDP because the way that it works in Canada is that um, you vote for the person in your area rather than the the top guy. And then, like, if the liberals get the most seats in the House, then they win, which they did get the most seats because they pretty much, like, got the East Coast, right? And, um, and then and they pick their leader. Yeah, which, I mean, he was already running and it was Justin Trudeau, which, <sighs> he's fucking problematic. He is, like, I hate to use that fucking word, but, like, Trudeau pisses his me whole, off. His whole thing, like, a woman said mankind, and he mansplained to her and called it people kind. So fucking dumb. And I dumb. was just like, what the fuck? What it is, is to me, Justin Trudeau is just someone who's a performative feminist and not an actual feminist. I just think it's because he's French. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, that like... Was nationalist of you. <laughs> a little. A little. It's okay. No, Quebec's okay. <laughs> They're good. You know, but no, Justin Trudeau, like, he's a little bit of an odd duck anyways. Like his party trick yeah. was falling down the stairs. So 
Cool. I mean, you can't be that progressive if you are not if your if your administration is trying to end a lawsuit against those that are, you know, filing for sexual abuse in the military. You're not that progressive if you're not doing that much to help indigenous women who are murdered uh, at a higher rate than any other group. Oh, girl, in you've been re- you've been reading about Canada and our problems. Good, good. Yeah, and you're some- not much of a feminist if, uh, or you're not much of a progressive if you support oil pipelines when the way of the future is definitely not oil yeah. and natural gas. So yeah, I've been reading. <laughs> yeah, fuck you have. Shit. I thought this was something that like, you know, Americans definitely did not give a fuck about, but good on you, Gracie, for pretending. I mean, what? Oh. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> you do for actually paying attention to world politics. Well, <laughs> Canada politics. Canadian politics. Fuck. <laughs> Hey, so guess what? (laughs) Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer uh, won a gold medal. So yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. The Winter Olympics are going on where all Canadians become fucking assholes. Yeah, I think uh, when I looked at the rankings, you guys were second place only to Norway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And America's like sixth. (laughs) See, we, this is uh, like... Once every America four doesn't really dominate in Winter Olympics. We're more of a Summer Olympic country. It's true, but like once every four years, all Canadians come together and <laughs> we throw out our patriotism towards the Olympics because it's all that we have. I mean, no, we have a, we have other good things too, but like Winter Olympics, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, Team Canada, go team. Anyways. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, we have to do the podcast. I'm so sorry. Yeah, well, I'm going to go through uh, the little tidbits that were in the end of the film. Um, Jimmy Lee Johnson's grandfather, Cake Early, registered to vote at 84 years old. Andrew Young was the U.N. ambassador under President Carter after serving three congressional terms, and then he was elected a mayor of Atlanta twice. John Lewis has served... 30 years as U.S. congressman. It says 28, but it's been a couple years. Mm-hmm. So it's actually closer to 30 now, somewhere around 30. Yeah. Um, he Because he's still serving. Yeah. Um, and he's been congressman for Georgia's 5th district. Sheriff Jim Clark, that fucking asshole, was voted out of office. There's one woman that actually, I don't think she gets more than two lines. Her name is Viola Luzo, and she was murdered five hours after the speech that Martin Luther King Jr. gave on the Montgomery. Yeah, she uh, was murdered. Uh, I, I looked it up, but she was murdered by the Ku Klux Klan uh, while she was, yeah. um, sh- like, uh, bringing people uh, back to Selma mm-hmm. with her car. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They, run, they, run, they ran them off the road. Mm-hmm. It was like a white woman and two black people. Or something like that. But yeah, Sad. she was killed right after this progressive historic moment. Um, Coretta Scott King, she established the King Center and success- successfully lobbied for a national holiday in her husband's honor. And then five months after Selma, Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Voting Rights Act into law. And uh, three years later, 
Martin Luther King Jr. was murdered in 1968, and he was 39. So it was very bittersweet, the ending. Yeah. You know, so much good happened and so much horror. I mean, he was only 39 years old. Look at what he was able to accomplish in such a short life. Yeah. And it's fucking great. I'm, I mean... If he had, you know, like, like lived, imagine what what more could have happened. Exactly. He did so much in his first 39 years. It's hard to imagine what he could have done if he had another 39. Mm-hmm. So, um, to give you some kind of background, uh, George Wallace... Um, It mentions at the end of the film that he uh, ran for president and survived an assassination attempt. What they don't tell you is George Wallace went on to have four governorships, his final election being 1983. During his final term as governor, he actually received an honorary degree from Tuskegee University, which is a historically black university. And he rejected his previous racism. And uh, actually had a very inclusive, uh, I want to say cabinet, but I don't think that's the right word, where he actually had a lot of um, members on his staff who were black. And he rejected his previous uh, views of integration. I did hear about that, because he he was... um... He actually kind of redeemed himself, in a way. Was that, because uh, he, re- he like, changed his view. That was after um, the assassination attempt? Yeah. It's like he decided to not be a racist fuck anymore. <laughs> you know? It's kind of like, uh, what's that senator's name? Robert Byrd is a former KKK member, but now he's a Democratic senator, or was a Democratic senator. Because he realized what a fucking douchebag he was being. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, people can change and uh, realize their mistakes. So I hope, uh, you know, like George Wallace was a piece of shit, like for most of his life. But at least near the end, he turned it around. Doesn't make up for the bullshit that he did in his younger days. But at least, you know, he finally learned. Yeah, finally. Um, yeah, finally. Uh, contrary to what uh, happens in the movie, uh, Jimmy Lee and James Reeb um, both die on scene in the film. Like, Jimmy Lee dies in the restaurant, and uh, James Reeb dies on the side of the street. But they actually both died in the hospital. That's just, you know, for more dramatic purposes. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, James Bevel was actually the one who started the process of the march. James Bevel, of course, was the one that was very outspoken against Martin Luther King Jr.'s involvement. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, there's that. Um, It wasn't actually Martin Luther King Jr.'s idea, but he kind of capitalized on it and was like, this is actually a really good idea. I'm glad you thought of it. Now I'm going to take credit for it. (laughs) Now, uh, some interesting casting stuff. Lee Daniels, uh, who directed The Butler, was originally supposed to direct this film. 
And the original cast list included Hugh Jackman as Sheriff Clark. Wait. Liam Neeson. I'm sorry, what? Original, yeah, this is the original cast list. This is going to make you fucking laugh. Okay? Uh, Lee Daniels was originally set to direct, and the original cast list included Hugh Jackman as Sheriff Clark. Okay. Liam Neeson as Lyndon B. Johnson. <sighs> this one cracked me Was up. Was he going to save his daughter? <laughs> Robert De Niro was supposed to be Governor Wallace. Fucking northern as shit, Robert De Niro was supposed to play southerner Governor Wallace. Hey, you use guys. I couldn't, even, I couldn't even imagine what his accent would have sounded like. <sighs> uh, Cedric the Entertainer was touted to play Ralph Abernathy, and Lenny Kravitz was actually going to be Andrew Young. Um... Oyelowo was the only casting that she did not change, uh, and that is Ava DuVernay. It's the only one she didn't change. When she took over the project, she looked at that cast and was like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, I'm going a, I'm to a change this shit and yeah. change this David, shit. David actually advocated after Lee Daniels quit. David, uh, uh, David actually advocated for Ava DuVernay to be the person that took over. So... Uh, that's why he got to be MLK Jr. <laughs> <laughs> that's why his, that's why he didn't get to lose his role, but everybody else that was touted to play did. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, I don't know if that's actually how it went down, but I do know that he, uh, he, he definitely wanted her to be the one that, uh, that did the directing. Well, what did she do before? Um, she did, like, uh, Love and Basketball and, um... I'm going to look it up. Yeah, I remember her doing Love and Basketball. Okay. Which had uh, one of the Epps brothers in it. It was a good movie. Oh. Oh, girl, I'm about to sneeze. Shit. <laughs> sneeze. Sneeze. Am I going to sneeze? No. Because no. you said you were going to. Yeah. Um... <laughs> We also know that she did the uh, Netflix documentary, The 13th, which is about the 13th Amendment and modern-day slavery and racism and stuff. It's actually a really fucking good documentary. Yeah. Highly recommended. Highly. Okay, so, yeah, most of her stuff has been... did a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she didn't really cross over to television to like it doesn't say she did love and basketball I always I could have swore she did love and basketball maybe she was a producer or a writer I don't know no it doesn't um, say her hmm. girl you fucked up okay I fucked up again uh, love you I love you too alright so let's go through the tests <sighs> finally oh. Okay. take a deep breath Okay. Whew. Now, 
We have the Bechdel test, which is where two named women uh, are on screen alone together talking about something other than a man. It passes because uh, Coretta and her friend were talking about, you know, the fear that she has that she lives with before they meet Mal- before she meets with Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. So it passes. Um, Rachel Bechdel, definite pass. Uh, there's definitely two black people on screen talking about something other than a white person several times. Yeah, I think it. I think it passed that one. Uh, it passes the sexy lamp test because um, every woman that had a name in this film was definitely involved in the movement one way or another, and they were very important people. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, the Macklemore test, it doesn't pass because it was a male-driven film and there's no woman that really has a character arc that doesn't involve the, uh, you know, pushing a male character's story along. Yeah. Which is fine. Um, it ha- uh, and then it's the DuVernay uh, test, which is black characters who have character arcs not based on white characters. Of course it passes. Yeah. Because who directed the damn thing? <laughs> um, I don't know. Are you sure that it passes? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, we've actually uh, come up with a new... We have the Furiosa test. It doesn't pass that either. Like, um, it doesn't qualify. Uh, well, it's because the internet have... didn't get mad. At it, right? What? Did the well, inter- people did get mad at it, but they didn't get mad because it was an all-male-led film that's been redone into an all-female-led film. Mm-hmm. So, it doesn't pass the Furiosa test. Now, we are actually uh, looking at, um, based on some of the outrage of uh, recent years, we actually have looked at creating a new test to eventually add for when it's applicable, and we call it the Rue test. Now, if you don't know what the Rue, who Rue is, Rue is a character in the Hunger Games who was perceived to be a white character in the books, but she's played by a black actress in the movie, mm-hmm. and people lost their fucking minds. Yeah, I remember when that was happening, and it was like, who fucking cares? Like, Jesus. Or, like, when Michael B. Jordan played the Human Torch in the new Fantastic Four movie, and people lost their their fucking minds. (laughs) Or when in the movie Death Note, when, um, oh, fuck. He was in this movie. Yeah, L got cast as uh, a black. People lost their fucking minds. Exactly. So, that's definitely something we'll be applying to films Did people lose their fucking minds when um, Samuel L. Jackson got cast in um, The Avengers? I don't even remember. No, Nick Fury. (laughs) Nick Cage, he got cast in Nick Cage. Well, Nick Fury was in The Avengers, but yeah, like, the original Nick Fury was played by David fucking Hasselhoff. What? Really? I swear to God, there is a Nick Fury movie, and David Hasselhoff is Nick Fury. Are you fucking kidding me? No, I remember watching it. What the actual fuck, man? 
It was fucking terrible. It was in his Baywatch years. Oh. Was he, like, hot back then? Huh? Was he considered hot back then? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I've ever considered that man sexy. Even in his prime. Fuck, I, I don't, don't get I, it. It was the 90s, uh, so, like, I I wasn't thinking about stuff like that. True. Uh, but, yeah, that's, uh, that's Selma. We didn't actually talk about the plot that much as much as we did how it is relevant to today, so I hope you guys don't hate us. But it was it's it's hard to do a historical film without you know doing modern day parallel to it parallels to it when it's still so relevant to what's going on now. So I guess I could maybe sum it up. Uh, I'm just kidding, I'm not gonna. I did sum it up at the beginning. It was black people wanted the right to vote and they marched for it they and eventually marching. succeeded. Like <laughs> that's the plot of the film. <laughs> But it's a good fucking movie. Uh, I would say that it might not be necessarily feminist, but it certainly is inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a good movie. 10 out of 10. Hey, fun Great fact. The, the lady who... Um, the the woman who played... Um, uh, Mar- Martin Luther Yeah. She was in two movies where she played that role. Yep, she was. And she got the approval of the actual Coretta Scott King for her first portrayal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe that? that's why she got picked again. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say that while this movie is not necessarily feminist, it's definitely inclusive and it's fucking good. You will... If you're anything like me and Aisley, you'll definitely be outraged as much as you are happy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I think... I. You know what? Honestly, I'm a little bit sad that that movie didn't get any, like, Oscar nods. Like, it, it should have. Like, it did, and it won Best it got, Song. It got but- Best Picture nomination. But it didn't get Best Director. It didn't get Best Actor. Uh, I think it did. I think I got not for Oscars. Oh no! Yeah, it was the other one. The Oscars, uh, the Golden Globes gave it more nominations. The Oscars Mm. only gave it a Best Picture nomination. That's because the Oscars are like, "Fuck you! We do what we want." At least this year, they they did a lot better. I guess, yeah. But then again, they extended the Academy and included a lot more black artists. So. God, I really hope that three billboards in Edding, Ebbing, Missouri. Minnesota. The movie Three Billboards in Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. That one's the one that everybody thinks is going to win. Probably. It's the Oscars. Remember last year when they thought, uh, what was it that was supposed to win last year? And they actually thought that it did. Oh, everybody was like, La La Land's going to win. And everybody was like, God damn it, I hope And then they up. say La La Land, and they're like, oops, mistake. It was Moonlight. So. <laughs> Fucking A. Which we're actually going to be doing Moonlight this year in June. Yeah. Part for... of our uh, LGBT month stuff. Yeah. So, should be fun. 
Um, but we are going to uh, wrap things up now. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you want... <laughs> We've been talking for a while. Oh, my um, God. This podcast is an hour and a half long. We have a lot to talk about. <laughs> uh, but... Anyway, if you want to contact us, you can contact us on our Facebook page, The Feminist Critique. I'm on Twitter, at South of Grace, and I also have a blog, which I have not updated, which is southgrace.com. And, Aisling? I'm, like, really tired and stuff, so um, I guess you could, like, check me out on Twitter. It's uh, my name, Aisling, A-I-S-L-E-N-E. And then there's an S at the end. So it's like, it says, so my name means dream, right? So it's like my name says dreams. So that's really cute, isn't it? I'm really fucking tired. Um, God, I have to wake up early. Um, Also, Instagram, pretty much the same thing. A-I-S-L-E-N-E with an S at the end. And um, fuck it's so fucking stupid sounding in here. Um, and then I guess you could always just check out my works website, which is uh, kicks.fm. That's K-I-X dot F-M. Yep. So that's kind of the thing. Next next week, uh, we will be watching 1967's In the Heat of the Night. So if you haven't ever watched that before, definitely watch it. Um, I'll be watching it tonight. (laughs) Because it's definitely going to be... I've already seen it. And it was really good. (gasps) So, we will see you guys. Well, we won't see you. But hopefully you guys will listen to us. (sighs) You're fucking yawning too. (laughs) I hate you. (laughs) Uh, We're so cute. Okay. We'll uh, well, hopefully you guys will listen in next week. No, everybody's bye. gonna like be like, mm, we're never listening to this shit again. Okay, anyways, bye, 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 b